Assalamualaikum to our listeners and welcome to the Living History section of the special Jalsa Salana program. My name is Dr. Muhammad Iqbal and I'm the producer and host of the Living History series of programs on Voice of Islam. On this wonderful day in Adikatul Mahdi, I'm joined by my colleagues um, uh, uh, Abdul Qayyum Rashid Sahib, Assalamualaikum and uh, also Sheikh Rahman Sahib, who is our special guest. And inshallah, after the uh, news hour, we'll be joined by Munir Rafiq to talk about the history of uh, Jalsa Salana. Now, listeners and our non-Amadi guests uh, uh, may or may not know the Amadi Muslim, well, certainly our Amadis will know, but the Amadi Muslim community was founded in 1889 by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed, who took the Pledge of Allegiance, or Baith as we call it, from those who were his closest companions. Uh, in 1891, he went on to declare that he was the promised Messiah and Mahdi, and in that same year, he decided to hold the first annual gathering, which we call the Jalsa Salana. Now, during this historic Jalsa in Qadian, which was the city in the Punjab of uh, India at that time, the Promised Messiah and Mahdi uh, wrote a book called Asmani Fesla, which in English means the heavenly decree. And it was read out by Hazrat Malvi Abdul Karim Sialkoti, uh, in front of 75 fortunate members who were present. The names of all these 75 attendees were included at the end of the Heavenly Decree book so that future generations may remember them and today certainly we remember them. Kiyum Sab, uh, this was clearly a historic uh, event and tell us a little bit more about the foundations of uh, the Jalsa by the Promised Messiah in Islam. Well, the, the Promised Messiah on whom be peace also published an announcement informing members of his community or Jamaat about the decision of uh, this, hand, uh, this historical annual gathering, which took place on 27th, 28th, and 29th of December um, in Qadian. And in, in fact, even now, it is still held on 26th, uh, sorry, 27th, 28th, and 29th of December in Qadian in India. The Promised Messiah, on whom be peace, speaking on the purpose of this gathering, wrote, All sincere souls have entered the fold of this humble one, should know that the purpose of pledging allegiance is to dampen the worldly ardor so that the heart is engulfed in the love of bountiful God and of the Holy Prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He added, Bath, which is the allegiance, is de devoid of all blessings and is a mere formality if one does not care to meet me. Since due to physical disability, lack of resources and long distances, it is not possible for everyone to stay in my company or to visit me a few times every year, and most hearts are not yet endowed with such ardent desire that they should bear the greatest troubles and hardships for the meeting. It seems appropriate, therefore, that three days of every year should be fixed for a gathering in which all my devoted followers should, God willing, be present with the condition of health, time, and absence of strong impediments. So in my opinion, these dates should be from 27th to the 29th of December. Hence, from this day, 30th of December, 1891, if we live to see 27th of December, all our friends should do the best of their ability, come and listen to divine words and join us in the supplication for the sake of Allah. This is from pages 73 and 74 in the book mentioned by Dr. Saab, in The Heavenly Decree. He added, this gathering will be devoted to the expansion of such truths and spiritual insights 
as are necessary for the promotion of faith and certainty and spiritual understanding. And there will be special prayers and attention for the participants. And to the best of our ability, we shall endeavour to supplicate at the threshold of the most merciful that he may draw them towards him, may accept them and may bring about a pious change in them. An additional benefit of these gatherings will be that each year new entrants to the community shall, or the Jamaat shall by being present on the fixed dates get to know their brethren who had joined earlier. And these meetings will be led to progressive strengthening of the bond of mutual love and affection. Prayers for absolution will be offered for brothers who will have passed away in the interim, and supplication shall be made at the threshold of the glorious God, that he may unite all these brothers in spirit and banish all estrangement, dryness and differences from amongst them. I mean, this really sets the scene and the, the foundations that the Prophet Muhammad This Jalsa was held after the Zohar prayers uh, uh, as well, and it was a very special occasion for those who attended. Uh, in preparation for the next year in 1892, the Prophet Muhammad uh, produced a pamphlet or istiar uh, on the 7th of December 1892, explaining the purpose of uh, Jalsa. And again, I'll quote from uh, this istiar. The primary purpose of this convention is to enable every sincere individual to personally experience religious benefits. They may enhance their knowledge and due to their being blessed and enabled by Allah, their exalted, their perception of Allah may progress. Among its secondary benefits is that this congregational meeting together will promote mutual introduction among all brothers and it will strengthen the fraternal ties within this community. He went on to write in this pamphlet, It is essential for all those who can afford to undertake the journey that they must come to attend this convention which embodies many blessed objectives. They should disregard minor inconveniences in the cause of Allah and his Prophet, peace be upon him. Allah yields reward to the sincere persons at every step of their way and no labour and hardship undertaken in his way ever goes the other uh, waste. I re-emphasize that you must not rank this convention in the same league as other ordinary human assemblies. This is a phenomenon that is based purely on the divine help from propagation of Islam. And the Prophet Messiah concluded with a prayer, and this is important for us all who are listening today so many years later on. I conclude with the prayer that everyone who travels for, in brackets, attending this convention, that is for the sake of Allah. May Allah the Exalted be with him, reward him in abundant measure, have mercy on him, ease up for him his circumstances of hardship and anxiety and eliminate his anguish and grief. May he grant him freedom from every single hardship and lay open for him the ways of achieving his cherished goals and raise him up on the day of judgment. Among those of his servants who are the recipients of his blessings and mercy, May he be their guardian on their absence until after the journey comes to an end. O Allah, O sublime one and bestower of bounties, the ever merciful and one who resolves all problems, do grant all these prayers and grant us victory over our opponents with scintillating signs because you have done all the powers, you have all the powers and power, Amin. So this really shows the blessings attached with the Jalsa Salana. And Qadian became a central focal point for all the Ahmadis, obviously, who were joining 
uh, in membership and taking uh, the bath. And over the years, the numbers increased. And by the time the Promised Messiah and Mary passed away in 1908, the numbers attending in 1907, the year before he passed away, had increased to 2,000. So the last Jalsa in Qadian before partition of India took place in 1946 and saw a crowd of nearly 40,000 faithful, which checks up is approaching similar to the numbers we are getting now in the UK, uh, in the, in, in, in the UK which is fascinating. Uh, the Qadian Jalsa still remains central to much of the community, even now, although with the movement of Khilafat and most of the Amdis to Pakistan in 1947, the International Jalsa Salana moved to Pakistan. So after the partition of India on the 16th of December 1947, Azad Muslim the second caliph and spiritual head of the Amdiya Muslim community, announced during the Friday sermon that just as Jalsa Qadian would continue as normal or zili Jalsa, meaning in reflection of the original, would be held in Lahore on 27th and 28th of December 1947, which was to be preceded by the Shura on the 26th of December. Thereafter, in 1948, the community found attractive arid land there upon which we call Rabwa, our beloved town where the headquarters shifted, where International Jalsa Salana began to be held and the community with attendance growing rapidly, reaching a stunning 250,000 at the last Jalsa. And we'll go into why that became the last Jalsa in 1983 with Sheikh Sab, our guest as well. So, Kaim Sab, truly an amazing, really, growth in Jalsa Salana and its importance to the Amdi community members. Without a doubt. I mean, I think the first Jalsa was 75 people um, and, uh, you know, growing it to 250,000. But as the mission of the Amdi Muslim community was to spread the message of the promised Messiah and Mahdi on whom be peace throughout the world, this meant that communities were quickly established throughout the world and as numbers grew, they started to hold their own annual gatherings or Jalsa Salana. Jalsa means an, uh, uh, a gathering and, and Salana is, is, uh, is an annual event, hence um, an annual gathering with direct permission from um, uh, the Khilafat, the Caliphate, or um, um, the, the head of the Amdi Muslim community at the time. The first uh, um, annual gathering in the United Kingdom took place uh, in the grounds of London Mosque, on 29th and 30th of August 1964, which uh, in which there was a historic address given by Sir Muhammad Zafarullah Khan Sahib. There, however, mention um, there is, however, mention of an annual um, Jamaat conference of the United Kingdom in October 1949, where members of the community attended uh, from around the United Kingdom. In it, the then Imam of the Fazl Mosque, London, uh, Mushtaq Ahmed Bajwa. Sahib also invited missionaries serving in many European countries to attend this conference. While this conference was an historic event in the history of Ahmadiyyat in the United Kingdom, it is not certain whether the conference could be considered as the first annual gathering in the United Kingdom, since it, has merely, since it was merely reported as a conference in Al-Fazl in November 1949. Um, also, it is not reported to have been annually held thereafter. However, the Jalsa Salana, or the annual gathering of 29th and 30th of August 1964, is reported in Al Fazl as the first annual gathering of United Kingdom, as published in Al Fazl in 20, on the 26th of September 1964. I think Sahib, Sheikh Sahib is one of our distinguished guests and uh, Amadi members from the UK committee. He just corrected me with Independence Day, August, 14th of August, of course, which we mark in 1947. That's very, very important. 
And um, you know, for myself, I came to the UK in uh, 1967, and I think you were born in the uh, uh, well, three UK. years later. <laughs> I'm old, but I'm not three, that three old. years later. <laughs> so, so when we obviously a lot of this uh, program is going to be talking about Jalsa Salana in the UK, really, and our uh, historical memories, but Sheikh Sahab, you obviously have better memories than we have, and in in Pakistan. You will recall some of the early jalsas. Uh, say, I, was it? Uh, what did I say? Forty-six, the uh, forty-seven, uh, and in Rabwa it was uh, held as well, and it built up. What's your memories of the jalsas in Pakistan? And when did you come over to the UK? I came to the UK in nineteen seventy-three. Right. But obviously, jalsas uh, held prior to that uh, were really a reflection of the of the continuation of the jalsas in Qadian and the tradition which of course we still carry on in the United Kingdom. Mm. Uh, and uh, when I remember that when Hazrat Khalif the fourth came to the UK, he said that we must continue to carry on the tradition of the Jamaat as we've done in the, in the past. Did you in go to the Jalsas in Pakistan? I did, yes, to Rabwa. When, 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 do you recall when you went to, how old you were perhaps? Because uh, I never went to a Jalsa in Pakistan, unfortunately, uh, so I have no memories and people tell me about how wonderful it, how organized the community I mean, I, was. For example, I remember the one that I attended in 1971, uh, which was the, also the election year uh, in the country, then when Bhutto basically was, you know, elected as our, uh, as our prime minister. How old were you then, roughly? Yeah. Uh, 51, 20, 20 years old. Oh, mashallah. So, uh, and uh, just tell us a little bit because many of us uh, were born in the UK and uh, so I, mean, I left Pakistan in 67 as a 9 year yeah. 10 year old kid and never, never saw it. Just tell us a little bit about paint a well, picture. I of, mean, Rabwa, of course, as, uh, as, I, as I recall, when you know, way back, hmm. was still a pretty a small town. Uh, of course, brimming with activity because it was the center of the, has been or was the center of the Jamaat until Hazrat Khalif Tumasi fourth migrated to the United Kingdom. So therefore, you still had those. Uh, there's the, the whole town. It it took a different shape, um, and some of that is reflected here mm. when you gather here for three days. You know, you get a bit of that reflection as well. Of course, in a much more. Uh, greener environment, uh, but you know, dust and everything else. But the spirit of the people, unbelievable. And some of the, some of the speeches that Hazrat Khalif Tulmasi the second was making, for hours and hours, and people were sitting on this haystack, uh, with their. And December gets very cold. Okay, December, of course, as you realize, gets very very cold in the Punjab. Because uh, the dates were fixed as well. Uh, yes, the 26, well. 27, 28th were fixed. So same in Pakistan Absolutely, as well. it continued. The tradition continues. Right, right. Um, and, and then the, 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 the people with, you know, they wrap those uh, blankets around themselves. Uh, and then, and there was pin drop silence when Hazrat Khalif Tumasi II was speaking. Some of them were for three, four hours plus, uh, yes, as I hear yes, in the speeches. Yes. Uh, and Hazrat Sahib, if, if people moved, if someone went and left in something, he was he felt a little annoyed, and he expressed it in, in his speeches that, you know, uh, you should. And people, I tell you, the the spirit, the the, you could feel the aura, you know, of Hazrat Khalif Tulmasi the second, 
it was because I remember from our village even in Kashmir yeah. people used to go to yeah. this I was too young but yeah. all I knew is they were going to a thing called I mean, Jalsa etc they came from everywhere in Pakistan every nick and corner of, of the country people came there to attend the Jalsa and of course some from outside of the outside of Pakistan as well like you know uh, Europe, Africa whatever the United States and all that so they came for the Jalsa as well and how did they sort out accommodation um, for these vast numbers? Amazing. I mean, the the guest houses, uh, people actually put people up in their own houses, which was which was really the spirit. It was the norm. It was the norm, and then uh, all the and the food and the you know the naan naans that were prepared in the tandoor, and and all that. And these were non Ahmadis who were employed. To make the nuns and, and things, which was amazing. No, I, I and uh, I, I also get told about how they arrange for the rotis. Oh uh, yeah, the yeah. Different uh, sections. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so just tell us a little bit about that before we go into our break. Well, the rotis were, you know, the, the these non. They, I think they were called non bhais or something. Because they didn't have the roti yeah. machinery. No, 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 no. The, this the, was all tandoors. That's right. Men so were the, the machines. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> The men and the tandoor, That's the right. tandoor which is basically a, the clay a clay oven, yeah. yes, which is which is in the ground. Because that's and quite amazing. Because now we have this, and we're going to discuss that the roti yeah. plant with yeah, yeah. just you know, it's like yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, escalated. Correct. Listen, let, let's go for a break now, and then inshallah we're going to carry on this fascinating discussion. <laughs> so we were talking about um, the foundations of uh, Jalsa Salana. We talked about uh, the origins in Kadian, and then moving on to uh, uh, Pakistan. And Sheikh Sab was giving us a really interesting. <laughs> Sheikh Rahman was giving us a, a very interesting insight into how the Jalsas in the Rabah were held. Now, in the UK, uh, in April 1964, Bashir Ahmed Rafiq Sab was appointed as the Imam of the Fazal Mosque in London, and um, we are lucky to have with us as our guest as well the eldest son of the Rafiq Sab, Munir Munir Rafiq who's going to join uh, Sheikh Saab as, uh, as well, giving us the interesting insights into the Jalsa and its place in the UK. Is um, Munir, uh, are you with us? Assalamu alaikum, Dr. Iqbal Saab. Yes, I am with you. I've been um, enjoying listening to the discussion um, up until now, yes. Oh, well, we wanted to have you in the studio, obviously, but I, I know you couldn't make it for a variety of uh, reasons. Yeah, my, my sincere apologies, um, uh, you know, uh, bad luck, I, I wasn't able to actually uh, make it, um, but nevertheless, I'm, I'm really pleased to be able to um, join the program. Um, I know you've invited me um, because I, I'm one of those few people who uh, was actually at the Jalsa, the very first Jalsa Salana um, held in 1964, but because I was listening to um, you know, uh, some of the very interesting uh, comments being made by uh, Sheikh Rahman Saab, I, I just wanted to add um, I too had the privilege of attending a number of uh, Jalsas in Pakistan. Oh, excellent. And I tell us your reflections as well, because you know, so many of us just hear things and it'd be wonderful to hear from you. Well, I, I was lucky. I attended Jalsas in 1968 and then from 1970 to 1974. Um, and I, I, I was at that time studying in a boarding school and um, during the winter months um, I would come down to Rabwa and stay with my aunt um, and Rabwa was um, 
you know, as Chef Roman has rightly said, it, it was a, a very quiet, rather dusty town. Um, it revolved around, you know, the Jamaat and, you know, the institutions of the Jamaat. You had Sadr Anjuman, Jadid offices, Tasri Khilafat. Um, and then in December, Rabwa would literally, um, it would change. It would become the hub of activity. It was just astonishing uh, as people, from our perspective, people from not only all over Pakistan, but people from all over the world started arriving in the sense of visitors and also um, our missionaries um, who would be coming back to uh, Pakistan to attend Jalsa. Um, so there, there would be this you know, great excitement and people would um, line up if, if, if there was a missionary and he was from Holland, you'd see a whole line of people lining up to shake his hands. And in those days, there was this tradition that um, if a missionary returned from abroad, well, literally the, in, the whole of Rabwa would, and I, you know, I was personally a witness to it, um, the whole of Rabwa would turn up at uh, Rabwa railway station. So as your train Munir, started to... Munir, sorry to inter interject. Can you, uh, well, one, of course, Rabwa would light up. But you, could you give us a little bit of the background of Rabwa itself, please? I'll come to that in a second. But okay. I mean, it's it, 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 essentially um, when when everybody, you know, the respect that was held um, for missionaries, um, you know, you know, the Hazrat Khalifa Sani um, absolutely um, encouraged and directed people to go to the, the station and, and welcome these uh, missionaries who were. Uh, you know, they were garlanded, and you know, the whole of Rabwa would turn up to welcome them. In terms of, um, you know, uh, kind of short, abbreviated history of um, Rabwa, I mean, after partition, or at the time of partition, we um, obviously Kadian, following the demarcation of where Kadian fell, Kadian uh, fell to India. Partition so, 1947. The partition 1947, uh, and because Kadian um, ended up in India, the vast majority of Muslims um, in that area, particularly in the Punjab, they migrated to what was the new um, uh, fledgling uh, state of Pakistan. And in lieu of um, land that we gave up uh, in Kadian, we were granted this land. Um, in between, uh, if people who know Pakistan, Sargoda and what was then Lailpur, but then became Faisalabad, um, a, a piece of land. And it was a barren, desolate land. Um, there was but Manir, it was nothing also there. based on a dream, wasn't it? The, the second caliph also had a dream as well, in particular, for that uh, plot of land, and therefore it was uh, acquired, as I remember. Indeed, indeed, indeed. I, I'm simply giving the, the, the historical records. Those who um, you know can re uh, explain about the the, the dream. Um, I mean, that in itself is a, a greatly in, in, inspiring story as well. But but in terms of um, the actual movement of people, um, that was what happened. Um, you know, the, the, we left a certain number of Ahmadis in Kadian, the Darwish, uh, who remained in Kadian. The rest then all migrated. They first settled um, in Lahore, where, which was the initial uh, center of the Jamaat. And then slowly but surely, we started to um, 
take root in Rubwa, and Rubwa began to expand, and um, it then became the center of the Jamaat, shifted from Lahore, and Rubwa was then, for many years, that was the um, center of the Jamaat. Um, in fact, uh, you just worldwide. reminded me, um, because uh, when I was introducing the program to listeners, and many of the listeners obviously won't be members of the community listening across the world now, I think, with Voice of Islam, and also to mention, when I mentioned Kadian, just for them to know that uh, Kadian was a tiny hamlet, a town in the Punjab exactly. of India as well, where the Prophet Messiah was born. And then obviously that's where he preached, that's where he started sort of uh, really conveying the message. And uh, so it's just important for them to know. And it built up really from a small hamlet and there was uh, very little available in terms of connections, etc. Uh, so, uh, and then from there, as you said, I've explained, we moved to Rabwa again, uh, a desolate uh, place. Uh, and now, especially, if people go to see Rabwa, it's one of the best cities, I think, in Pakistan, the way it's organized and the way the Jamaat have totally transformed it as well. So, somebody just to say, about your, your experiences then, the reflections on those early Jalsas, just paint that picture because uh, Sheikh Rahman really gave us a very nice sort of explanation of the whole atmosphere and the transformation. And, and the fact that in those days, rotis were made in tandoors. I mean, it's incredible to think now we've got these roti plants churning out thousands of rotis and how people uh, got together. It, it was it was astonishing what used to happen. I mean, what, I mean, there, there was so much that you know the whole community would pitch in together. So we, you'd have in the in the run up to Jalsa, um, you'd have parali. Uh, parali was basically hay. So every house, um, you, you would ask for hay to be delivered, and that you would spread in one particular room, uh, and that was for guests because. Virtually every single person, and I remember um, in my aunt's house, uh, a, a room would be dedicated and the hay uh, straw would be um, spread around. And then all our relatives who would arrive from outside of um, Rawa, they would, um, you know, they, they would sleep on the floor there. So it was a very exciting time, people coming in. I remember in one Jalsab, I mean, obviously you had the inspirational speeches uh, of our Khulafa, principally, but there were other great speakers, orators, uh, and people literally used to rush to get to Jalsagar um, so that they could catch these important speeches. And I remember in, in um, you know, following 74, you know, in 74 we were declared um, non-Muslim. Um, and I, I don't know whether this was deliberate or not, but um, about sort of 30 miles from us was uh, the city of Sargoda, which was the Air Force headquarters. And during Jalsa, um, you'd have low-flying um, certainly after 74, low-flying jet aircraft, which would kind of buzz um, the Jalsa. And it was very annoying, and it would drown out the speakers. And I remember uh, in one year, um, the Hazrat Khalifa Masih Salis was speaking, um, and uh, this jet aircraft, you know, it buzzed the, the Jalsa Gar. And there was at least about, I would imagine in those days, about 100,000 people in the, you know, the, the whole Jilsagar, the arena, as it were. Um, and at first, Azur ignored it. And then he stopped, looked up to the sky, turned to the, the crowd. He said, they want, pointing up to the aircraft, he says, they want to drown out our, our, uh, our voice. I want you to tell them and tell the world um, 
that they cannot drown out our voice. And you cannot imagine that, you know, the entire um, audience erupted, Nare Takbir, Nare Takbir, and slogans. Um, and it was literally, I mean, I was about 16 at the time. It felt like the ground was moving because, you know, there's 100,000 people um, shouting these slogans. Uh, and it was a very, very um, inspirational moment. I mean, I, you know, I, I remember, you know, the hairs on the back of your head, you know, they, they, your neck, you know, it would stand up. It was, it was just a, such an astonishing um, It must have been um, quite an amazing sight. Now, that. as I understand it, uh, Masjid Aqsa, they had massive grounds outside yeah. it. And a lot of the Jalsas were held there for these great numbers because Muniz just mentioned 100,000 yeah. and I mentioned that the last Jalsa in uh, 83, uh, 83. Uh, 83 had yeah. over 250,000 is yeah. that the, the yeah, that is yeah. I was I, I attended that one as well um, what did you um, yeah yeah uh, by that time uh, as Khalifa Tul Masih Rabi was the um, that's right just the been the elected yeah He's just been elected, so I, I I went to attend that very first Jalsa of, of his Khilafat, yes. So wow, I attended that so as well. you are a trolley history man, <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're going to come no, no, back no, to... Uh, um, so I, we were I'm talking... lucky, I'm, I'm blessed. You're too, truly yeah. blessed. So we're going to come back to the UK now, because uh, your father was appointed... Uh, if, if I may, Munir is, uh, mentioned something that I kind of wanted to just elaborate on a little bit, because I attended Pakistan Jalsa from... 75 to 82 every single one of them oh wow and uh, the, the, this this yeah. uh, the, when uh, um, when he talks about uh, the mischief that was caused mm-hmm. um this goes back all the way to um when the community got the land in Rabba. it was sold to the, the community on the basis that it is barren and it will never allow the community to grow or flourish mm-hmm. Or flourish, yeah. and the fact that we are talking about two hundred and fifty thousand people mm-hmm. um, at this land, which was supposed to be barren, is showing the world that how blessed this community of the Promised Messiah is. And look at Rabat today. Exactly, oh, because you know you, you mentioned the, the Aqsa Mosque. It's a model city. The Aqsa Mosque originally, when it was designed, had four very high minarets. Mm which the Air Force didn't allow for the mosque to build because on, on, the, on, the, on the guise that it will be, they will be spreading the message and the azan, the call of prayer from this community um, will be heard everywhere. So if you look at the Aqsa Mosque, the original design, which was submitted to the government for approval, had four minarets, but they were reduced in size, in size because they wouldn't approve them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Munir, I was saying that, um, uh, I mean, you're blessed in many ways because your father made such a great contribution to the Jamaat throughout the world, but in particular in Britain, in getting the UK Jamaat established. And in 1964, he was appointed as the Imam of the, he'd been the deputy before, but he was the Imam of the Muslim And uh, he had the vision of really bringing all the members of the UK together somehow. I know there had been various gatherings before. But the official Jalsa we consider to be the 1964 one. And I think you you were, how old were you, about uh, 9, 10? I was, yes. I, I remember it distinctly. Tell um, us a little bit about that historic Jalsa. And Sheikh, Sheikh Rahman could maybe share anything. If you, well, you came in the 70s, didn't you? So, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us a little bit. Dr. Dr. Iqbal loves to mention how old were you. <laughs> <laughs> old is gold. <laughs> 
<laughs> old is gold. Someone's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, just that. I know. Okay, going back. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Fr- I feel young. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to freely admit that I am quite ancient, and, that, <laughs> and, and, and I was, and I was there in 1964. You're, we- um, you're very well, though. You really are. God. Well, yeah. No, I, I think just to, I, I think it's, it's probably useful to explain what it looked like, um, because the, the, the first shelter was held um, in 1964 in August. Um, now. What a, I think it's useful to remember that the center of the Jamaat was, in fact, um, what we called um, 16 Gresson Hall Road, you know, the Mahmood Hall, the Mission House, but that, none of that existed at that time. Um, in fact, the address of the mission was 63 Melrose Road. So the, yeah. those of you who know uh, that area, Melrose Road is the road that faces the tennis court. So that used to be the entrance. Mm-hmm. That, there, there were two buildings, uh, 61 Melrose Road, four-story buildings. But, um, 61 Melrose Road and um, 61 Melrose Road. 61 um, and 63. 61 and 63, yes. 61 and 63, yes. So 63 was the actual mission house, uh, and 61, um, that was I mean, the basement and the first floor um, that were for the Jamaat, and the rest um, had been sort of rented out to various people. Um, when we first arrived in 1959, when my father first came, he was the uh, uh, Naib Imam, he was the deputy Imam, uh, and we lived on the, the top floor uh, of 61 Gresson Hall Road, um, uh, Melrose Road. Um, and it's interesting enough, below us, um, and this will interest Rahman uh, as well, um, below us, in the flat below us, um, Arshad Baki Saab lived there with his brother um, Azhar, uh, and they, the, the later Arshad Baki Saab, they, they lived uh, below us, and then below that was Safi Shah Saab. Um, so it was it, they rented accommodation there. Now, the, what what happened was that after a few years, my father was um, appointed the imam in 1964 in April, um, and he decided that, um, as I think, as you rightly alluded, there had been previous jalsas, but they were jalsas. In other words, they were one-offs. Um, jalsa salana, in other words, jalsa annual jalsas, they didn't um, start until 64, because then you had a jalsa every year, uh, and we've had a jalsa every year since 1964, apart from uh, one or two occasions um, when jalsa uh, couldn't be held. Um, so when we talk about jalsas, I think jalsa salanas, uh, you can safely say, started in 1964, because from then on, uninterrupted, we had annual jalsas um, regularly held. I think it's interesting to know that, you know, we, I remember it because we moved from 61, from that small apartment, we moved into the mission house as my father um, became the imam. He replaced um, a lovely uh, gentleman by the name of Chaudhry Rehmat Ali. He, he, he was the imam at the time, um, a wonderful man who um, was a bit was elderly, and, and he he decided that, um, you know, he lived on his own, that it was perhaps a bit too much um, to live on his own, and he asked that he be um, 
Munir, I was just uh, wondering, uh, in terms of this Jalsa, I think the UK Jamaat was very fortunate that uh, they had Chaudhry Sardafrullah Khan Saab uh, doing a major uh, address. Do you have any memories of that? Because I, I, I found, when I read a little bit, it, it was very inspirational yes. in what he said. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, at that time, Chaudhry um, Saab, Sardafrullah Khan Saab, he was uh, a judge at the International Court of Justice um, in The Hague. Uh, and so I mean, when it was decided um, to hold uh, Jalsas and the committees uh, were formed to start organizing, and I think it's worth remembering that my father carried out the first Tajneev of the Jamaat, and at that time there were uh, 149 members. Um, and, and that, yeah, I was just uh, wanting to capture really more that. Uh, do you remember any of that, Kayu? No, I was. Uh... Uh, that's uh, a lot earlier than than my existence uh, <laughs> in, in this world. But uh, yes, I hear um, a lot of stories from from my father, um, who was uh, one of the inspiring things was that he, you know, he pointed to the fact that look, you are in a country which is regarded as one of the leading countries with its own belief yes. systems, whatever. But you should consider yourself lucky being the followers of the Prophet Muhammad and have pride in being able to convey a message and change this country and the rest of the world as well. And I thought that was such a wonderful way of conveying the responsibility on those members who were there listening to him. Because you spent a lot of time also with the uh, uh, Sab as well, and that was the sort of person he was, wasn't he? He was. He was a blessing for UK, was he not? He was, and I, I, I can relate something to him when I. When I was coming to the United Kingdom, I actually met him in uh, December prior to my coming here in February. And he gave me one bit of advice and he said, look at a fruit tree. When it bears fruit, it actually bows down. That's what you should be doing. That God has given you this opportunity. So he was teaching me a lesson in humility. And that's the message that, and you saw how humble he was. Uh, but Jalsa Salanas, yes, in the United Kingdom are very historical. Uh, we've grown from uh, Munir. The first one was held in the grounds of uh, the Fazal Mosque. Yeah. Then they went to Roehampton. Yes, Roehampton. That's right. Yeah. I know. Wandsworth. Uh... So, so the first. No, no. The first six Jalsas were held um, in the uh, in the Mission House at um, uh, Melrose Road and. Uh, right. And then the sixth Jalsa was the first Jalsa that we moved um, to Wandsworth Town Hall. That's right, yeah. Um, so that, that's, uh, you know, in 67. Uh, and uh, Huzur attended that because that, that was the, um, the first Jalsa that Hazrat Khalifa al-Musi Salis, after becoming Khalifa al-Musi, mm -hmm. uh, the third, yes. Um, the, yes, sorry. The, uh, I recall the, in those days, um, uh, 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 Munir's father, uh, uh, was the Amir, was he? Um, Aziz Deed? Uh, he was the national president. Yeah, very prominent and pious we person who made a lot of contributions also to the Jamaat, just to mention a few. Aziz Deen Saab was a, you know, a towering personality. He became national president um, some years later, um, but he was, a, I mean, he, he was, I mean, one of the you know, the backbone of the Jamaat in many ways. And I mean, they have an astonishing history, um, the Dean family. I mean, his uh, Aziz Dean Saab's father um, first came to the uh, United Kingdom um, in 1910. And um, he was one of the individuals who, in terms of Fazl Masjid, um, I saw a, a very old photograph recently, um, that when they were laying the foundations of uh, Masjid Fazl, 
Um, you can see, um, so it's Muniz Dean's um, and Nasir Dean's grandfather pushing a wheelbarrow. And the reason for that is that um, they wanted to emulate um, the Holy Prophet who um, had helped in the construction of masjid e Quba, the very first uh, mosque uh, in Medina after the Holy Prophet had migrated from Mecca to Medina. Um, and so the, the local Ahmadis at that time, when they were um, laying the foundations for Masjid Fazl, decided they would themselves uh, take part in, uh, in the foundation. And there's a, a very um, interesting photograph of um, these themselves father uh, pushing a wheelbarrow as they're taking part uh, in this laying of the foundation stone of uh, Masjid Fazl. I mean, there's been so many great figures to be honest in the history of the UK, Jamaat, uh, as well. And I just wanted to mention that probably best time to have a, a, a break now, and then we will carry on the discussions with really the build up of the Jalsas. Mm -hmm. Uh, coming to this historic Jalsa as well. So uh, let's have a, a break. I don't know what happened there, but uh, uh, and inshallah we'll, uh, we'll join our listeners after this short break. Instead of embarking on an arms race leading to death and destruction, we must join the race to save and protect humanity. And welcome back to our uh, listeners. So just before the break, we were talking about um, really the foundations of the UK, Jalsa uh, Salana. And um, we had Munir Rafiq uh, on the phone with us, uh, sharing really the insights into the earliest Jalsa recorded in 1964, where uh, um, Imam Bia Rafiq Saab was uh, uh, the, the Imam of the UK. Later on, as I understand, um, Bia Rafiq Saab was appointed in Pakistan, uh, yes. obviously the private secretary, yes. etc. And to Sheikh Mubarak Saab uh, took over as the Imam of the UK, yeah. uh, Sheikh Rehman. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that period. Well, Sheikh Saab became uh, the missionary in charge and Amir of, of UK uh, when uh, Bashir Rafiq Saab was appointed as the private secretary to Hazrat Khalif the Masih III. Um, and in that period, uh, of course, the Jalsas continued if we're staying with the Jalsa theme. Yeah. Uh, but also the significant achievement of Sheikh Mubarak Saab at the time was the acquisition of 11 mission houses in the United Kingdom. So after the Fazl Mosque, which was the, apparently, Munir, correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently the, he, was, he, was, he was the man who actually had a further 11 mission houses during his tenure in the United Kingdom. And then, of course, I think that included the Bradford mission where it did we had include, a large yes, amount as Bradford, well. Birmingham, and so on and so forth. Huddersfield and Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, I mean, the Jalsas continued. Yeah. The Jalsas had moved from the grounds of Melrose Road. That to, became too small, so now to Roehampton, yeah. and then, you know, and then once a town hall and yeah. Roehampton and wherever. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, with limited numbers because the UK Jamaat was still a very small Jamaat. Oh. Yeah. Uh, of course, the influx of the Ahmadis from East Africa, yes. Uganda and Kenya, uh, the numbers became a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, but certainly the numbers really flourished when Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fourth uh, migrated to the United Kingdom. Yeah, we're going to come and, to that uh, okay. period, right. period okay. uh, very shortly. Yeah. In fact, that sets up the, the, the scene really. Whilst the community was growing throughout the world and uh, as you mentioned uh, in the UK, um, things in Pakistan were becoming more and more difficult for the Muslim uh, community. Um, uh, 
the original problem started in 74 with the adventure yeah. early on uh, with the declaration of the community unfortunately as uh, outside the sort of world of uh, Islam and then under the dictator Ziaul Haq, uh, the general who yeah. came to take over Pakistan, he introduced the infamous mandate, the ordinance uh, 20, uh, 20 uh, which severely restricted activity of the Amdiya Muslim community, including the banning of the annual Jalsa. Um, and of course, it put the life and work of the uh, Caliph uh, in, in danger as well. Uh, and at that time, uh, it was the fourth Caliph, Mirza Tahir Ahmed uh, Rehmullah, who decided to, and he decided to migrate to the UK, as Sheikh uh, Saab mentioned. So the last convention was in 1983, where we mentioned earlier on the 250,000 attendants outside uh, Masjid Aqsa. This was a transformational moment for the UK Jamaat in particular, but the global um, Muslim community, Kiyum, uh, what do you think? Without a doubt, um, you know, look, of course, the Pakistan government um, at that time tried their best um, to to um, uh, to put a lid on something they or Ziaul Haq as normally referred to. Um, he wanted to kind of kill the community, um, and uh, uh, and as I said, you know, similar to all the attempts before in the history of the community, anytime somebody has tried to uh, um, quash um, or had the notion of quashing the community, has always perished um, in, in, the, uh, in the most, uh, you know, worst in, possible way. In disgrace. Yes, in disgrace. And, and nothing different happened um, in, in this particular scenario. But I think, you know, uh, to staying with the theme of the community, um, uh, Sheikh Rahman mentioned uh, um, the, the, one of the first Amirs was also Mr. Kaloon, wasn't, wasn't it? And yes. when, Hazur, yeah. when Hazrat Khalif Tanusi the fourth came to the United Kingdom, yeah. he appointed uh, almost immediately after he came here, he appointed Anwar Kano Saab, uh, Anwar, Mr. Anwar Kano as the first Emir of the United Kingdom outside of the realm of the missionary in charge who used to be also the Amir of the Jamaat. So that became the separation between the Imam in charge and the and Amir? Yes, yeah. between the admin and... Yeah. You know, because and there was a need. There was yeah. a need, yes. And then uh, immediately after that, within a year, uh, Aftab Ahmed Khan Saab was appointed as the Amir of the United Kingdom, and uh, he lived to be the Amir until, unfortunately... I mean, he was for us, was a those of us who were growing up in the UK. Yeah. He was a diplomat. He, he was an ambassador for yeah, Pakistan, right. yeah. and, uh, but a loving figure. Uh, I mean, absolutely. you were very close to... Towering Maida. figure. Yeah, right. Towering yeah. figure, yeah. really. Definitely. And uh, yeah. uh, So let's talk about that. I mean, you you will have been in London at that time. Yes, yeah, so That must have been <laughs> such a historic... And Munir, maybe you can come in as well. Just take us through that... Uh, Arrival, well, we will talk about the Jalsas and all yeah, that, but yeah. I just want us to capture that moment. I mean, the 1984 uh, arrival of Hazrat Khalifa al Masih the fourth. Yeah. Uh, whereas in Pakistan, uh, the generals and everybody thought that this community is now doomed to death. Right. Yes. Uh, it actually, I think, planted a new seed mm. for growth, and growth globally yes. rather than just within the, 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 the country or within or the subcontinental area. Within the subcontinent, yeah. yes. And uh, and mashallah, I mean we we're seeing the we seeing the the, the fruits the, the fruits of the of the growth now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing them globally. We're not just seeing them in mm. in, in in the United Kingdom, but we're yeah. seeing them globally. Well yesterday the flags yeah. Well, they're, they're the flags demonstrate that. exactly what Sheikh Sab is That's saying. Munir, Munir, I wanted to bring you in as well at this stage. Are you still there with us? 
I am indeed, yes. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, uh, you were a young man then. I'm not going to go into your, I'm not going to go into your age. <laughs> but that must have been a really historic moment. Describe to us what you heard in that first few days with Azur's arrival. Well, I mean, obviously there was the um, shock and excitement of um, Azur's arrival. I mean, obviously we were following um, international affairs. Um, the the um, introduction of the ordinance um, was widely covered in the newspapers. Then Hazur arrived. I think, you know, my father always used to say that the, 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 the difference was that up until 1984, in fact, the Jalsa uh, took place in 1985. Hazur arrived um, in April uh, 1984, shortly after the ordinance had been enacted. Um, his, you know, departure in itself was quite remarkable. But I think the, up until then, the Jamaat had been expanding kind of organically. And yet, when Huzur arrived, and this is the blessings of Khilafat, um, the Jamaat expanded and there was a new zeal um, within the Jamaat and Jamaat members. Um, it kind of revolutionized the Jamaat. Um, pe- people felt that this... You know, there was a buzz that something was remarkable was happening. I mean, Hazur himself was a, a, a remarkable, dynamic individual. Um, and if you, you know, his majlisse irfans in which he would, uh, you know, that was something revolutionary because we've never seen that in the UK where you'd, uh, you know, after Maghreb uh, prayers, uh, he would remain in the mosque and anybody would simply stand up and ask him any question about any subject and he would answer whether it was about politics islam or uh, a history of Amadiyat or, or anything i mean his khilafat um, uh, was a true blessing for us all in the uk and throughout the world uh, as well but as i recall when he came in 84 the first i mean i mean no, later on we acquired islamabad and we'll go into that briefly and the big jalsas in 85 where we got soaked <laughs> And covered with mud, uh, yeah. which was a beautifully. Uh, I, I, I think tell us through the so eighty-four. I, I think in eighty-four, so one thing I think Muniru's and, and Sheikh Rahman also referred to it. It was the first time people in the United Kingdom look when you talk, when you hear of persecution in other countries, yeah. you have a feeling. You yeah. think okay, and you try to um, to 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 kind of um, get an idea that you know, and and you pray, mm-hmm. but. With the sudden ad, with the sudden arrival of yeah. uh, of uh, His Holiness at that time, um, it was the first time people saw and felt because in the first annual gathering in 1984, when His Holiness um, uh, was uh, giving his concluding address, the pain, the tears oh, yeah. of His Holiness yeah. truly woke the the community up in a sense and gave them a true essence of the persecution that was being felt. And also the first address that he made in Mahmood Hall. That's right. Upon his arrival. Exactly. And, and, and you know, at, at so charged. Yes. Totally. Yes, the tears yeah, yeah. of the Caliph at that time and throughout the mm-hmm. 80s mm-hmm. at all the annual conferences. Yeah. I, I will never forget. It's those things but that... But the 85 Jalsa, hmm. keeping to that, the first Jalsa, hmm. when Islamabad was acquired. That's right. Uh, I was Qaid London then. Hmm. And Anwar Kano Saab tasked us that we should go and clean up Islamabad. You know, the grass was taller than us. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the bushes were taller than us. Yeah. We had to clean the whole site. Yeah. We had to paint every dormitory. Yeah. And mashallah, the khudam at that time. I remember those. I tell you, exemplary. Yeah. 
Thank it, you. They would send, they would spend hours and hours. And the inspiration came from Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the fourth. Yes. It came from him. And the 85 Jalsa, if all of us recall that uh, rain, yeah. it was held in April. Yeah. Uh, snow. Yeah. All the cars getting stuck in the, in the, in the grounds. Uh, despite the fact that we ordered extra hay to be brought in, we still had uh, cars stuck there. It was it was amazing, and everybody was truly charged and blessed. Definitely, and, and the, throughout the years that you have mentioned, you're correct. I mean, the vast improvements to the arrangements and the facilities and the infrastructure. Yeah. Um, you know, it got to a point where uh, Islamabad became too small for the yeah. growing community. Um, I mean, just to cover yeah. the numbers for listeners, because when we initially uh, started the Jalsas around Islamabad was the Tilford, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, something like uh, numbers really going up uh, to 5,000. Mm. Yes. Moving on over time to, to about, uh, you know, 11, uh, 12,000 onwards. But then, as you said, Kiyo, mm. Islamabad, so that was 25 acres or so, that site. Yes. That's right. And it, some wonderful experiences, as it you is, mentioned yeah. there, you know, with all the Bukhariyamans and everything. And really, Hazur, how much interest he took oh. it. But the site became too small. And uh, of course, I think he'd indicated also we needed a bigger. Uh, but the present Hazur, uh, when he became the Khalifa, he made yes, it absolutely sir. clear that, look, there's no way we can carry on. You need a bigger site. Yeah. And that's where Adhika Tilmadi, uh, uh, was it quite which year yes, was it? Yes, in 2006, uh, under the guidance of uh, His Holiness, Hazrat Mizam Surah, may Allah strengthen his hand, under his guidance. Every Khilafat had such acres. blessings associated yeah. with the uh, you I mean, know, this huge place where we can accommodate. And, and again, to be honest, we're in 2022 and this place of 208 acres has become too small. <laughs> when you, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know that, which shows exactly what you're saying, Dr. Yeah. Zab, that you know, the progression of the Jamaat, mm -hmm. you know, all these people over years who tried to think that we're going to shut mm -hmm. these people down, yeah. um, you know. And remember the, the most important thing that happened to the United Kingdom, for which we are very blessed, frankly, yeah. is the fact that the presence of Hazrat Khalif Turmasi yes. in the United Kingdom makes it your international, gives you that international status, yes. which obviously we, we are very we are so blessed much. and and we cannot we cannot thank god enough for that to to happen to us in this country i think the way also this country has really accommodated khilafat yes. and supported the community and understood the, the yes. persecution that's yes. going on uh, you know it's it's really something to be greatly appreciated and also the way the community itself has worked to build mm -hmm. bridges yes. and to ha have the sort of uh, outreach work we're probably coming towards the end of April Let, let's do a, a quick little review of how such a big event you know yesterday I was sitting in the marquee and honestly I don't think there's hardly any organization in the world can do something as large and as mm -hmm. magnificent as this. I know that might be boasting, but people have to come and see it for yeah. themselves, yeah. Uh, what goes on. So, you, you know, Dr. Dr. you mentioned progression, and yeah. we were just talking about, and His Holiness has already said it. His, already said, His Holiness mentioned that we need to start preparing this site for 50,000 attendees. Right. And and we, we know, we experience, and I'm sure our listeners um, you know, um, can can kind of find out that uh, that that over time, as we said, the first ever annual convention at seventy five people, mm -hmm. um, which grew to quarter of a million in in the subcontinent. Yeah. And here in UK, we talked about you know small numbers, and now His Holiness has said fifty thousand. Um, and I can assure you, history history will show us it happens. 
we oh, yeah. will be ready and by the time we get for 50 we'll be told 100 yeah and so on and so Inshallah. forth you know when you think of uh, what the pakistanis thought to themselves what they do to the three and what yeah. we see now mm -hmm. with khilafat coming to the uk we had mta international and yeah. look how mta international conveys yeah the Jamaat, the Jalsas, and everything that goes on throughout the world. It's yeah. a, just an amazing thing to see. Well, Pew, Pew Research, a few years ago, did they do statistics, and they said uh, the Ahmadi Muslim community is the fastest growing uh, Islamic community in the world. Absolutely. And now, by the grace of Allah, you've got Voice of Islam Radio as well now. Yeah. That is now spreading throughout the world in so many different countries, yeah. and again, it's becoming a prominent voice for Islam. Outreach. In the, in the, yeah, yes. yeah it's, it's just absolutely... MTA, yeah. Muslim Television, Ahmadiyya, yeah. you know, you name it. Yeah. You name the platform, yeah. we're there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the humanitarian organisation like Humanity First and so yeah. the Engineers Association, the work we're doing in Africa and uh, across the world as well. So just uh, to... If, if I may, just quickly, mm. and plus in today's day and age, yeah. one thing the world is needing is a leader and we have one selfless yeah. leader who is truly... Um, giving the world and politicians in all walks of life that guidance to talk about peace, harmony and justice. Absolutely. Just to give listeners uh, a, a little appreciation of how something as massive as this and what was done in Pakistan is uh, organized. The community uh, has a whole structure for uh, uh, Jalsa Salana and just to give them an understanding, it's split up into three major segments. One we called um, the sort of the Jalsaga organizing committee. What goes on uh, inside the marquee, the program, all the logistics Speakers. that goes, and you have specific uh, head uh, running that one. Another group is what we call Khidmat al the service really of uh, humanity or people, whatever, whatever needs, whether they need water, cleanliness, or whatever. And there's a whole head and structure that goes there as well. And then there's the overall picture, the officer, the Jalsa Salana officer who oversees everything, planning from a year ahead and all that. And when you see some of these people, these are full-time people who've got their professions. They're working, they might be dentists, engineers, uh, you, you know, in all yeah. sorts of different backgrounds. And really our respect goes out to... Uh, selfless workers. Uh, or selfless workers. Uh, you and, know. and we understand that there are 2,000 volunteers on site, yeah. day uh, in and day out. Absolutely. Working to make this, and these are volunteers. Yeah, yeah. No, and then uh, you know you mentioned the uh, we started off with the inspiration really and the purpose behind the just and in the words of the promised Messiah Mehdi himself. And honestly, uh, it is so wonderful to hear some of those inspirational speeches. Yeah. You know, whether it's about look the core responsibilities of a family, the crisis across the world, and what our role is as a community. Uh, the, 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 the whole success story of spread in the report that the Khalifa gives to the whole community. Yeah. It's just absolutely amazing, really, and we are so fortunate. And then, you know, for the last three years, we've been watching it on MTA because yeah. of the COVID restrictions. Yeah. And I know for myself personally, Sheikh Zabiyo, the, you yeah. can't express the feeling you of can't. brotherhood when you meet friends uh, yes. from so... Actually, it does illustrate the, the words of the promised Messiah that he narrated on the, on the first Jalsa. Yeah. This Jalsa actually proves every word that he said, that spirit of brotherhood, meeting each other, being respectful to each other, yeah. eating together, you know, and so many other activities that happen, spiritual, raising your spiritual levels. Yeah. Amazing. 
it's a fantastic recharging. You know, the world is moving towards these battery-operated cars and everything <laughs> electronic. This is the spiritual recharging which yes. we get when we get together at such things. So, listen, it's been absolutely wonderful to have you, Sheikh Rehman. Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for your contribution as thank well. And thank it's you been for your super. Um, and Zawar and the Munir team as well. And Munir Rafiq, of course, <laughs> sitting in London and on the phone as well. Greatly appreciated with his uh, contribution. Our technical team, everybody who has uh, put this program together. Hope listeners have found it uh, useful, informative, uh, but certainly enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank, Thank you. you so Thank much. Thank you, Dr. for giving us the, the opportunity. Team. Until the next year, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.